Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hello and welcome back in to the Long Shop Podcast. We have a very special rendition of the show. We have a best of 2021. Some of our favorite memories curated for all of you by us. And just a, a nice little trip down memory lane. I got to be honest, Dunk. When I look back at this year, I was pretty stressed out each week about these episodes, like just making sure that we did a good job, making sure we handled it. This was all such a new experience for us. But now that we're at the end and we've looked back and gone through these clips, it has really helped me appreciate just how much awesome stuff we've done this year. I mean, it, it's just been amazing. And it was really hard to whittle down our favorite you know, stuff into like a hour episode. Uh, but this is our favorite stuff. And I think it's an amazing way to put a little bow on the year. It's something that we're going to be able to look back on with like an action packed best of long shot pod. Pretty special stuff. It, uh, you said that beautifully. Uh, it, it has been a challenge to pick out our favorite memories because there have been so many. Also interested in, in hearing some of your guys' favorite stuff. Uh, so please leave, leave some feedback on that. But, uh, you know, prior to getting to this this little best of series, I uh, also want to address just the fact that, you know, we haven't released an episode in the last six or so weeks. And basically, you know, we've been reached out to a bunch, um, whether it be through social media or people coming up to me, um, you know, saying, when's the pod coming back? Which, by the way, we greatly appreciate. Uh, we have certainly felt that uh, we have been missed, which is a nice feeling, I might say. Um, to basically address it fully, we put the podcast on pause uh, for a variety of reasons, but the main one being is that we want this podcast, first and foremost, we want to enjoy this podcast. We want to enjoy this experience, and we feel that when we do, that is when you get the best version of this podcast as well. And just with everything going on, we were originally going to take a two-week hiatus uh, right around Thanksgiving, and it just kind of naturally uh, snowballed into more weeks. And it's created this this now situation that we're in where we're excited and eager uh, to come back. And we've also felt that, that you guys are all excited for us to come back as well. So, you know, for all you people out there who uh, think that me doing a podcast is uh, somehow impacting my play on the court. Uh, you can kick rocks, pound sand, whatever you want to call it. Um, if anything, what I've enjoyed most about this podcast is the release uh, from from you know the day to day grind of of being an NBA player, which I love, by the way. Um, 
but just the opportunity to have something, another avenue uh, to create a relationship with people that support me. And uh, that that is all of you. So we are, we're excited to be coming back. Uh, we really are in, in 2022. And we really hope you enjoy this best of 2021. Episode 32, Moritz Wagner. Uh, we're in Washington, D.C., third or fourth quarter. And I had hit a couple. Whoever was guarding me decided to get a little physical. Who was guarding you? I honestly don't remember. Who was guarding I, I don't remember, but I also Maybe hate Troy how- Brown? I don't know. But Duncan acts like, yeah, obviously, yeah. We got physical. Yeah. Somebody yeah. got physical. Anyways, yeah. I did kind of like my classic, like. Yeah, I was going to say push off to create space which i usually don't get called for <laughs> there was a little bit of a you know embellishment on the reaction mm, of the defense kind of throws yeah. that back i get called for an offensive foul. don't flop in the nba yeah uh, <laughs> we want we want to talk about that um i get called for an offensive foul obviously i adamantly disagree and i'm starting to walk back and of course, Mo, like <laughs> that's Mo's favorite thing in the world, right? To see to see me have a turnover uh, cost my team a possession. So he kind of like claps. He does it, yeah, claps in my face and then bumps me. No, 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 hold on. That's not, I told him it's about damn time that he gets that call because Duncan does this every time <laughs> as he should. But you bumped me. I did not bump you, buddy. I walk you up to you. We're gonna pull up the clip. Yeah, we can pull you, up the clip. It's all good. He initiates the contact. I did not. That's I, why you got the technical because I've, <laughs> so I've never he got a, pushed me. I never gotten the technical. We got, first of all, it was a double technical. First of all, yeah, I, which I did not deserve. I had never gotten a technical. We before. should we should play we should play my uh, what's it called the audio message I sent to the MVPA after the game where yeah. I argue that technical did fight. you actually we actually 100% I argued yeah. that call we both got money back for the technical <laughs> so for, at the same, really? for people the same who maybe, maybe don't know this if you get a technical in the NBA it's a $2,500 fine and you can appeal any technical so in that one my appeal was it was my friend and we were just kind of messing around. Now, in the moment, I was absolutely pissed right. off yeah, right. and probably deservedly got a technical, but probably. he bumped me. In that moment, it wasn't like we were playing an NBA game. It was like Mo in like open gym or something just like was being an asshole and I just like shoved you because you're being an asshole. And I will say it was also a little too easy. I'm not going to lie. Just like knowing you, like it was just too easy. Like just, I knew if somebody else would have done it, you wouldn't have pushed that guy. You would have right. just walked no, back. No, because it was you. Yeah, 100%. It was entirely strategic on you. Honestly, <laughs> Quality smart. gamesmanship. Yes. And the, I the reason I didn't get the whole technical back is because I was being provocative. That That's like the reason mm. I get as an instigator. Provocative. You as, are provocative. As an instigator, court, I, I guess you, you deserve a technical foul. But it, it made me proud a little bit that I didn't know it was your first one. but My first ever. Actually, I got one in Summer League. Um, yeah, that does not count. Yeah, it doesn't really count. You get 10 fouls at Summer League. So How many technicals true. have you had just in your life playing basketball? I had one other. Um, it was fifth grade at a Rochester, New Hampshire Christmas tournament. Oh no, my not Christmas. In, my mom was in the crowd. Uh, I had to travel late in the game. I slammed the ball down. It bounced over my head. I was a fifth grader, a little bold by the ref to tee me up. <laughs> yeah, right. he, te- he teased me up and my- Technical fouls in the fifth grade? Yeah. Like, guy, this isn't about you. <laughs> yeah, right. You know what I mean? Like, oh, so it's, it's, like a lot, it's Christmas. Anyways, though, he teased me up. My mom- I've, I've made some mistakes in my life. 
Never before has she been as disappointed in me <laughs> as when I got I a technical so in a fifth grade Christmas tournament. That's awesome. She was mortified, and she crushed me on the drive home for days, actually, after the fact. How unacceptable it was, how I was embarrassing her. Um, and then ever since then, I was like, you know what? I'm just not going to get any technicals. And then Moritz wow. comes around, <laughs> and in front of you know 18,000 people on national television – uh, 18,000 people in the arena and then on national television yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, he makes me commit a technical. There weren't 18,000 people at that game. First Probably of all. not, honestly. S secondly, so you're telling me that's your second technical ever? Summer League. Oh, yeah, be, right, right. That right. would be my third. We're not going to count that one. Now, Mo, on the other I hand, I only had two had, technicals in my life, too. So. Mo <laughs> has plenty of technicals, and I've witnessed a whole handful of them firsthand. So, I mean, first of all, in college, I had two technicals. They were both double technicals. Really, that's it. That's it. So people, that's my. That's what bothers me. Like people come up to me. Like I get technicals quicker too because they think like I'm like an asshole or something. I'm like trying to be a nice guy to everybody. Uh, like, you're provocative. Okay, I mean like <laughs> you. We can only push this shtick so right. far. Yeah, like yeah. you're scrappy. I think scrappy is the word. How is how is doing your patented behind the back move, shoving somebody off and then yelling, you can't fucking guard me? How is that being a nice guy? Please tell me. But that does not deserve to get a technical quicker than a normal nice guy like you. Like just, just because the joy you shoot of basketball. The, yeah, exactly. Just because you shoot it from half court doesn't mean like you deserve a technical less than me. I think it's more. I like will say the, that I'm very familiar with the process of fighting technical <laughs> fouls. <laughs> Wait, you got ejected, by the way. I did get ejected. <laughs> once, you're, once you get ejected, you lose all ground right. to, to yeah, argue yeah, yeah. that That you... being said, that was absolutely ridiculous. That ejection, <laughs> it was a Madison Square Garden. <laughs> Wait, what did Scott Rickson say? No, that was... <laughs> this is an all time. This is amazing. I felt so terrible. I was like embarrassed. And Scott Brooks just goes... So, hold on. I got a... The first one was a double technical, which I didn't deserve on Julius Randle. I said on a legal screen... It's all fine. Like I do that. We do that's that's what happens, right? So Julius Randall walks up to me, does the tough guy thing, deservingly so. It's his gym. Do whatever you want to do. <laughs> I'm meditating. Literally, I do not say a word. And he walks up to me. Again, no hard feelings. We both get a technical. Fine with me. I don't I don't give a shit. That being said, I also can't afford as many technicals as he can. So <laughs> pockets look a little different. <laughs> it's yeah. a little different. So literally twenty or two minutes later, it, it felt like just like right afterwards, I get another foul. I'm about to get subbed out, and I'm saying to myself, "Man, that's bullshit." The ref stands right there, doesn't even see my face, and thinks I'm talking to him. Gives me a technical foul, and like ejects me. Right in front of my of our bench, and Coach Brook, I was like, dude, like I was Loki talking to you about subbing me out right now, and Coach Brooks just goes, like I don't know if if you know Coach Brooks, like he's he's not a man of like a lot of words, like he he'll just tell you what to do very simply in a very like straight way, just so. Just get the fuck out of the jail. <laughs> and and used to the next thing you see is just like taking off. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. I just ran straight out of the out of the gym. I was like, dude, this is so fucking embarrassing. I love how it, like in those moments you'd like hopefully expect your coach to be like lobby for you. Right. Like, I know, I know, like these rest are terrible. No, he's like, just get the fuck out. <laughs> Episode nine. Mailbag. The other day we were driving around and there were some kids out in the driveway playing yeah. basketball and we thought oh well this, well let me let me let me just take this we were we were driving around miami uh we were picking up some food 
and I see these two kids. Wait, why can't I tell the story? Well, just because I, I just want to set the set the stage. I'm going to give my version of it, but go on. We see these two kids playing basketball, and I just had them. I was like, dude, wouldn't it be funny if I just like pulled up and just like asked for a jumper? I was in the passenger seat. I was like, I like shot a quick jump shot, like said what's up, hopped back in the car and left. Remember when the dunk challenge thing was a thing? Right. It was like driving by and you'd run out and dunk in somebody's driveway and yes. then get back in the car. That's kind of the vision we had. Right. But with a jump shot. Yes. And I thought it would be this like cool moment for these kids. And you know, you're you're hyping me up. You're oh like, yeah. Oh, you're like, like, oh yeah, it's gonna make sick. this kid's weak. This is gonna be awesome. I get out of my car, I ask for the ball. The kid is like startled and confused <laughs> and this like just kind of like weirded out like who's this random guy getting out of a car asking me for the ball that i'm playing with he like reluctantly throws me the ball i shoot i miss i think you might have airballed i might have, i might have airballed i don't know it wasn't regulation uh i miss there's like this uncomfortable moment like in you know in your head it's like you get out you like swish it and it's like yo oh my gosh is that duncan uh kid doesn't even recognize me doesn't even care at all there's this awkward moment where I'm just standing. I kind of look back to you of like, dude, what do I do? I just get in the car and we drive off. <laughs> it's just a, some strange man asks for a jumper, misses it, and just leaves. Kid has no idea. They had absolutely Clueless. no idea. So yeah, maybe we were. Maybe we have an overinflated view of your yes. celebrity status in Miami. It must have been the mask. I think I was wearing a mask. A kid didn't recognize the mask. Whatever it was. Yeah, buddy. I'm sure it was uh, the mask. I will say it's it's somewhat scarred me. I certainly won't be pulling up to any courts and taking any jump shots anymore because that was a, a shot to the ego. <laughs> Episode 28, Udonis Haslam. I think, um, you know, I, I've kind of taken the approach as like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to, I want the results for Duncan, the basketball player, but like, I care more about Duncan. I care about Bam. I care about Hero. I care about y'all as people. Now, I want the results for the basketball player. Yes. I want the results for the player, but I care about the person. You know what I'm saying? That takes me to, uh, we've told a story on this podcast about Duncan's welcome to the NBA moment. Did you see that? There's the one where he tried to block me out. Yes. Yeah, what the fuck was he thinking? <laughs> you, so you I remember that? I think I told this. him that. I was like, Duncan, this ain't what you want. I know I'm old yeah. and I'm like the last guy on the board, but you're going to get fucked up down here. I think I remember saying that. I was like, I get it. Like, it's like two people in front of me, but you probably want to go with them first. Don't go to, don't come to me. Do, you know do you feel any sympathy when you're just ragdolling the new guy? Hell no. Hell no. I'm preparing for my two minutes I might get the next game. <laughs> yeah. Shit, they got to be exciting two minutes like the last game I got. They got to be exciting fucking two minutes. We got to talk about those two yeah, minutes. Yeah, I, I got to get ready. So, yes, if Duncan come in there, I'm going to knock his ass down. I'm going to go get the rebound. <laughs> and that's exactly what it was because I think it was, it was Hassan – on one side. And he came to me. I'm like, Dunk, you probably want to go over there. <laughs> in hindsight, I, I would have stayed over there for sure. Because yeah. at least like Hassan, if I like get into his legs early or whatever, he yeah. might just kind of check out. Yeah, he was on a mission. And as soon as he saw that I chose yeah, him yeah, yeah. over Hassan, yeah. oh man, it was over. You might as well have been Tyler Hansen. Yeah, got He's like, oh, you got me fucked up. You're looking at the wrong one <laughs> right Yeah, you done fucked around and fucked up today. <laughs> so you reference you reference the two minutes that you got. I was at that game in Miami. Oh, okay. The place just absolutely exploded oh when God. you just got up to check in. Yeah, like that's not even getting to. I mean, the I got a credit. Oh, it's crazy because he threw me in early. You know yeah, what I'm saying? He, he threw me in early. Well, into the first I didn't quarter. Yeah, I didn't yeah. suspect that. You know what I'm saying? He kind of went with me early. You know what I'm saying? I mean, me and Spoke been through a lot, man. So our relationship is 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 like 
like we can't be broken. We done been through the bottom. We done been mad at each other. We done been on the same team. We done evolved to now. Like we just got a great relationship. It's symbiotic. We don't have to say it. We can just feel it. I can look at him. He can look at me. Um, but he looked at me and, and shit. I was ready. Did you go in there knowing I'm gonna make this presence felt? Nah, I just I play. I play. I'm in practice every day with these guys. I get my shots up. You know, I play one on one with Jimmy. You know what I'm saying? So it's not when I go in the game. It's like it's not like I haven't played in a while. I know people don't see me actually out there on the court. I fucking shoot a basketball and play pretty much every right, fucking day. Right, right. <laughs> you know what oh, I'm yeah. saying? So when I get out there, you know what I'm saying? It's, it, it, as long as my my body is and and you know in the right position and everything is good, I can take care of business. The, the corner jumper, I shoot that shit with my eyes closed. I ain't gonna never be able to miss closed. that. Yeah, I'm not missing to. that. Yeah, I'm not missing that. You know what I'm saying? And, and my rebounding, uh, just stay on your toes and keep moving. You know what I'm saying? Said, we said you were on pace for like 48 points and 20 That rebounds. was the one thing about getting ejected. I would have yeah, loved I to have seen you up. play that out. I fucked that I mean, up. I mean, I would never and take away that again, moment. I thought about it in my head. Should I let this go? If you see when I fell on the ground, I thought <laughs> for a second. I said, fuck. And I just couldn't let it go. Right. <laughs> I just couldn't. I get it. I thought about it, though. At least I thought about it. Let me ask you this. If, if, if it was somebody else... Other than the person that it was, would you have been more inclined to let it go? Hell no. But that has something to do with it. <laughs> because he throw motherfuckers. I watch him throw somebody down every game. Literally just toss motherfuckers to the ground. That's not even a basketball play. You know what I'm saying? It's not even just throwing motherfuckers down. That's not even basketball. I'm not even finna throw me down. I'll poke your fucking eye out. That was one of the most legendary moments. It was my favorite moment in American Airlines. Bo just looked at me and shook Black his head. Point. I'm like, fucks, bro. I know, man. <laughs> just fucking put me out here two minutes, man. I don't we, got, we got back. <laughs> we got back in the locker room. I don't know if it was halftime or end of game, but you had already changed and you were already, you were, you were just waiting for us, happy that we won him. Yeah, man. <laughs> and you were just like, man, I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, if y'all would have lost, I'd be fucking pissed, bro. Like, what the fuck, man? But at the end of the day, like, I know who I am. And that's why I always tell you guys, man, don't take no shit from nobody. Stand up for your fucking self on that court. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Don't even let a motherfucker get in the habit of fucking you over and pushing you down and knocking you down and just doing a little underhanded shit. Don't even let a motherfucker get in that habit. Don't even get that shit in your head. It's not going down like that. Yeah, we've had that conversation. Don't bunch. even let people, because yeah. I'm telling you, people remember that. They remember yeah. if they was able to punk you or push you or whatever they was able to do. They remember that. So don't even give them that. Don't even let them start that habit. We're going to start this shit today. Episode four, Willie Cauley Stein. Speaking of Kentucky, I remember Coach Cal came to a couple football games, which is just an insane thought in retrospect. Like his his recruit that he's bringing in, he's going to watch play football. Like I can't imagine that he's standing on the sideline excited that you're out there. Like I'm sure he's supportive, but there's no way that he feels comfortable with you running around at seven feet and there's you know five, eight guys coming at your knees. Yeah, I don't know, bro, because it was like – him and Frank Martin was at uh, the game we played North. And you know how that rivalry was anyway. So, like, we were just – and we were good. So, it was like, we're trying to smack these dudes. And I remember coming in on, like, a, like I had a crack block. And I lit this dude up, bro, right into their feet, bro. And they were so high. I look up and they were so high. They was yelling with us, bro. And I was like, oh, shit. They see, this is what they want to see. This is what they want to see. So, I started talking about shit. This is what they want to see. <laughs> Bro, we end up smacking that team, though, so it was lit. Hey, it's Kaylee. 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Episode 21, Brian Scalabrini. And I would say, to be honest with you guys, going back to, you know, like in psychoanalysis, I never as a kid felt comfortable ever in any environment except for when I'm playing sports. Like in school, I like, I'm like, what am I doing here? You know, like talking to people and like doing small talk, like what am I doing with my life? I go and play sports. It's like, oh my God, this is like the greatest thing ever. Right. So that environment is still the exact same for me. I'm never afraid. I gotta say I was afraid one time. I fouled Shaq so stinking hard. I thought he was going to kill me. But besides the time (laughs) I fouled Shaq, and which is a funny story uh, besides that time i've never actually been afraid of anything you know like I, like i've just i just feel like that's what i'm supposed to do i'm supposed to play sports this is what i i feel natural out there i love it i love the communication i love the trash talking i indirectly trash talk through people and they had no idea that i'm trash talking them it's so great right so besides that so when i go into these environments like people know who i am i go up i dap it up and i go out there and i and i go and i hoop and I don't really care what people think or say or anything like that. It's just how I'm wired. So, so th- that was fun to do. But going back to the challenge, playing in this YMCA rec league, I dropped 60 in a game. And it was like, I wasn't trying to brag or anything like that. I was just like, yeah, I had a good game. I had 60 the other night in my, in my rec league. People, and so people got immediately started tweeting, oh, you suck, Scal. I'll, I'll beat you. And I'm like, listen, I may suck for an NBA player. Like, those guys are pretty good. But I don't suck compared to you. Like, you, you suck compared to me. I suck compared to Derrick Rose and Russell Westbrook and those guys. So let's just do it. So we, in, we invite the city of New, all of, basically all New England can send in their videos. I just, you know, went one-on-one against five different guys and they scored about what well, they don't recognize like, and what you and me do recognize. When you're in the NBA, there's all kinds of tells, right? Like if a guy puts his hand like that, you know what he's going to do. If a guy does a, like a hesitation, you know what he's going to do. Well, all that stuff is like in real time in the NBA, you got to be so on top of the reads. It's not, not speed. It's my, you can't look at me and say, like, my brain is slow. Like, my brain is fast. Like, my body might be slow, but I have to read whether a guy's going to shoot, drive, go to the middle, go, you know, pass. If, if you're not reading those things, you're not playing in the NBA. And there's countless guys, 6'10, athletic, strong. And they don't read like the intricacies of the game. They don't see a hesitation dribble. They make, they don't move until the ball is passed. Duncan, I'm moving when the ball is on the gather. If I'm not, I'm dead. I'm dead in the water. So, like that, that me having to analyze a game like that allows me to play a guy one on one. It's like I can literally, like in the middle of him, his inside out move, think what I'm eating for dinner and still challenge his shot. You know, it's not like I'm doing this against this high level, these people. So, anyway, like do that. I watch him. Most guys who scored on me, they scored the first or second possession. And then once I figured him out, it was like, I've seen this a thousand times. You're uh, you like to drive left, go right. You like to step back right and all that. Like, I know that like within three possessions, these are players I've never played before. And then the sheer size of being 6'9", 250, 
you know, it's tough for people. So that's how it all played out. And, I, you know, it wasn't really that challenging. There's a, a legendary quote that came from that, which is that I'm way closer to LeBron than you are to me, yeah. <laughs> which is what you which is so incredibly true. Also, and it, that, it just needs to be reiterated. Episode 34, Hassan Minaj. You know what I love about sports? Uh, it's really beautiful to have things in life that so matter, but don't matter. Uh, that's great. Because the, the world is filled with all these things when, you know, oh man, I'm about to get like deeply philosophical. The world is I'm filled in. with all these things that are, um, the stakes are so real. So once, once you become an adult, this is where like I realized, I was like, oh shit, like the world just gets very real very fast with like mortgages, wives, children, 401k, all these just like things in life that are very real. Like if you don't handle it, it will come back and destroy your life, right? Like yeah. nobody tells you about these things, but like adult adulthood comes at you fast. And I just think uh, our generation I think we were babied too much. Nobody gave us financial literacy. Nobody like really taught us how to move in the world. Um, all those things are super stressful. What's really beautiful about sports, what I love about sports and sports fandom is people can be Kings fans, Lakers fans, Red Sox fans, Yankees fans. They can yell at each other. They can curse each other out and they'll be like, ah, let's get a drink. You can't do that with politics. You yeah. can't really do that with religion. You can't really do that with like, if you talk about money, there's so many topics where like once you get into it, it'll just like tear apart the fabric of society. Yeah. It changes everything. Yeah. Like everything gets superheated. Sports is the one thing too also where like if you were to take all of our stories, everybody in this room, our, our stories are so wildly different. And I'm sure there's a ton of uh, global, political, social, economic, all baggage that defines our lives. But through sports, like we just have this like entry point. It's really beautiful, and I, I don't think enough people talk about that as like a foundational part of um, society. Like, I think even if a, a, like a, a nuclear missile were to like destroy Earth completely, and we had to like recreate society from the ground, there would still be sports. There would still be some form of like politics to establish. You know what I mean? But this yeah. would be one of the tent poles of society, and I think it's one of the healthiest, in my opinion. I love the the matter so much but doesn't matter you need things that matter but don't matter at all which yeah. is why i was like why why does having a favorite tv show a favorite movie or a favorite like sports team matter so much because it's dope to have things in life that so matter but right. do not matter at all it's i will say it becomes an interesting twist when it becomes your profession yeah because then all of a sudden it does matter because it's tied into all those things that you're talking about yeah but then at the end of the day like I'll go through a stretch and I've gotten better at this throughout my career. Yeah. But I used to go through a stretch where I couldn't make a shot and I would just be like, I'm a very self-deprecating individual. Yeah. Um, and I would go to like a dark place or like as a team, we go to a dark place. Yeah. And it's, it's always in those moments that there's like the voice in the room, whether it be, you know, coach Spo or, or a leader of some sort yeah. to kind of like bring in some perspective right. of like, all right, we're all playing basketball a child's game we're putting a ball in a hoop yeah and this is our livelihood and it's like it's back to that thing of like okay this is has this crazy sense of urgency because in the moment you can't tell a fan watching a game that it doesn't matter it doesn't because it matter. matters yeah <laughs> yeah but then actually when you step away from it it's like all right but it really doesn't matter yeah but the best people like oh, we can curse on that we can curse yes. on this yeah, okay yeah. um 
Thank I'll you take it back. I'll take it back to just my industry. The best artists do not give a fuck. Like, if you're ever in New York City, you got to go down to the Comedy Cellar because on any given night, some of your favorite comedians will pop in: Kevin Hart, Chris Rock, Chappelle, um, Michael Che, Michelle Wolf. Like comics that I love that I think are doing such great work will pop in and they'll do 15, 20, 25 minutes, and you'll see there's a bunch of comics that are like so trying to get on, that are like trying to make a name for themselves, like yeah. they, they so want to pop. And the best comics are the ones who like, from the moment they put the, they take the mic out of the mic stand, they don't give a fuck about anything. They actually don't even like care that like they're in a basement and like there's 80 people here tonight and there's a couple here. They almost just treat it like it's like just pure raw human expression. Like when I see Dave pop in, there's times he'll like, he'll still have a backpack on. Like he yeah. hasn't even fully taken the, his backpack or jacket off. He's just like, it's, it's like he's just having a conversation with 80 people. And I'm like, the degree to which he does not give a fuck is so high. And everybody here can tell. But I think that speaks to something even deeper, which is in performance. He's in a state of flow. Yeah. He's just flowing. And um, I wanted to ask you guys as athletes, like so much of what comedy is, it is a cer cerebral art. But then when I talk to, and now I've pivoted to a new chapter in my career, acting and being on set and, I'm, I'm season two of the morning show comes out uh, Friday, September great 17th. Plug. So watch it. it. Yeah, yeah, it'll be out. Yeah, it'll be out by it's the time out. you guys see this. Yeah, yeah, last Friday. Yeah. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be out. Uh, uh, Reese Witherspoon, Jennifer Aniston, Billy Crudup, just up and comers that you haven't heard of myself. Right. No, but one of the things that I noticed with being on set with really great performers is their ability to drop into a scene like this. And um, so, so much of what I realized in performance is it is a physical act. It's actually not a heady mental thing. And I think the thing that fucked me up the most when I was doing, when I was playing high school basketball and trying out for the team, <laughs> it's so dorky to say this in front of an NBA player, but like I so cared, like I cared too much. Like I, I so wanted to impress yeah. the coach and like try to get on and like I got to pass and then screen. And then there'd be people who didn't fucking pass and they're just like, man, go who? they go fuck the rules. And they would just like launch yeah. And like, I remember coaches like, these are the rules. And I'm like, no, no, no. There's two types of people. There are rule followers. And I think that's that like 80% of the league. And then there's just straight up rule breakers that like, are like, fuck the, yeah. now you have to be talented enough to, to do it. Otherwise you look like a complete idiot. 100%. But, but there is a level of that, like, I truly don't give a fuck attitude that informs like the flow in which you play. Episode 20, Mikhail Bridges. We beat them and then go to Final Four. This is where the part Duncan's not gonna like. Go to Final Four, no, we was either gonna play Kansas or Duke. Kansas ended up winning. Uh, knew it was gonna be tough, but we just got hot from three. <laughs> and once we beat Kansas, we saw the other side. It was like, okay. We're all in Chicago, goddamn Michigan. I'm like, motherfucker, we already won the goddamn chip. Wait, hold on, that's I'm not fair. <laughs> Come right, on, man. We had it roll. We had it rolling. What are you talking about? We don't give a damn. <laughs> we had it rolling. You're you're talking crazy over there. That, I'm I'm saying as a player, bro. We beat all these all these West Virginia, Texas Tech, Kansas, and you got Loyola, Chicago, and a high-rated Michigan like that. Y'all just got hot. At the, I'm like, oh. Hell no, they got no chance. Wow. Listen, I'm I'm wow. I'm here for the Loyola shade, but I, I won't stand for the Michigan shade. That that you you crossed the line with that one. Wow. I, I will say, like, 
you guys had so much firepower. It was it was ridiculous. And it's like one of those things where like there was no way all of you guys weren't going to play well. So one of you guys was going to be going. Two of you guys probably was going to be going. Yeah. And then it just so happened against us. It was damn near everybody. Uh, and it was the opposite for us. I can't believe we're still talking about this game because it's like, I don't, I don't know if you know if you remember this. I didn't score. Uh, it's straight goose egg. Uh, oh, my, no. my last college game. Yeah, brutal, man. Uh, and at that point, I thought I was done. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm headed over to to Latvia to play for you know 500 a week uh I didn't I didn't think I was gonna be in the NBA so that was really oh, like damn. that was oh, my oh, Super Bowl bro. yeah you guys yeah. had you know you with your All-American and, and Dante going first round and you going first round and Amari going first round everyone's first round I'm over there just you know trying to get by um but maybe yeah that man, motivated that, you bro maybe that motivated you maybe just that zero that chip. Saying, maybe like Never let this shit happen again. I'm about to be on some shit. And that's what happened. Dunkin' hundred percent. That's True why I bring story. it up. We can laugh about it now. I wouldn't bring it kind up if Dunkin' was still, playing it's, in Latvia. It's, it still hurts a little bit. Okay, I'm sorry, bro. I didn't mean to bring that up, bro. No, it's all right, man. It's You know what? I asked the question, so I'll take the blame. The goose egg is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> bro, you're telling me. Hey, bro. Stop. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Episode 18, front of show. I think there's actually no denying that the general talent in the NBA is at an all-time high. Right. Like the the, the things that guys in the NBA, and this is a, a generality, like speaking, you know, all-encompassing, the things that guys in the NBA are able to do across the board, it's just levels higher right. than what was capable. And that's not to say that guys were not incredible and the, the numbers that they put up weren't incredible. Like I, I'm not here for the, you know, Michael Jordan played against plumbers argument. I don't agree with that. That's not what I'm yeah. saying either. Right. Those guys are still world-class athletes in their own respects, but I just think it's different. Yes. You've got fives now yeah. shooting threes and taking guys off the dribble. And I think it's funny too, when people would like people defending the Michael Jordan playing against plumbers would use okay well this is lebron's competition it'd be like a picture of myself yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like or, or whatever you know what i mean like this is who lebron had to beat to get a ring um that's that's a humbling yeah. meme yeah, yeah. you know just you know casually scrolling through social media uh you know in, in the off season and coming across that one that's a fun one <laughs> just you trying to take a charge on lebron just like yeah in the fetal position on the yeah floor. it's like all right michael jordan played plumbers well lebron played Duncan robinson <laughs> Episode 16, Joe Ingles. You can walk out on the court and you can you can be whoever you want to be. You can be as a great, like you could be the quietest dude on court, but like on court you could be, like it might just be who you are, like talking shit and playing aggressive. Like you don't seem like a, a guy that would talk shit, but I've seen you like mouth off to some guys too and give some fist pumps in people's faces. Like oh, we've all... And I think that's the the beauty of like playing in the NBA. Like you can just you can be who you, you want to be on the court. 
I'm so glad that you brought this up, Joe, because it's a running theme on this podcast. Oh, he's so shit. I've seen that. Yeah. No worry. Thank you. Good. Because he he continues to, to uh, refuse the fact that he's a shit talker. He says that it's just more talking to himself, but it seems- it <laughs> seems the worst pretty, excuse you can <laughs> It seems pretty obvious to me that he's a shit talker. So I'm glad that you're helping validate that. No, 100%. It, it, for me, and I, I've made this point a couple of times, but- I always try to be calculated in it too, in that <laughs> there are some people that if for you sure. take it if you take it to that place, it's not going to end well. At least for me, and I have I have a certain level of awareness of like, all right, if, if I if I poke the bear on this person too much, like it's just not going to end well for me. Um, I think fact, Russ, is, Russ is one of those guys. Like you yes. go you go at him the wrong way or whatever, say the wrong thing or, or get into it with him on a dead ball or like whatever it is. It takes him like one second and he can go for 20, 20 and 20. Like we've, we've seen that before. Like it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely a, uh, in seven years now I've, I've learned who this, like I ain't messing with like James Johnson. Like no way you can do, you can say, say whatever you want to say to me. I'm running the other way. <laughs> I think, uh, I mean, JJ is a great example. Uh, he was a teammate of mine in Miami. He just so happens to be like legitimately the greatest human being uh, in terms of like the nicest guy, one of the best vets I've ever had. Uh, but exactly that. I think it would probably be considered that he's the most unanimously feared uh, across the NBA. I hope um, so. Except uh, the kid from <laughs> Shell Hornets trying to fight him. The twin oh, yeah. brothers, one of them trying to fight him. <laughs> That was a uh, that was a bad business decision. Um, yeah. I think I think, J- I think Jimmy's up there as well. It's funny that you and Jimmy. Um, I actually remember a story of, I think it was earlier this year. It might have been last year though. You guys kind of got into a little bit of a tussle, and uh, I remember a conversation between the two of you, and you were actually like, "Let's just not go there." Like I, I'm trying to keep the well, money in my pocket. Like I, I just don't want to do the double. The tap. funny thing about that is, so we got into it for like years after years after years, and. I always do this like stupid old man stretching routine at the half court before the game because I don't need to keep running. I need to actually just stay somehow stay warm. And he walked over to me pre-game and was like, yo, let's just like call it quit. Like, let's just play. Let's not get teed up today. And then that kind of became like a like like you said, like a bit of a running joke where he he'll either say it to me or I'll say it to him every like nearly every time we play each other now. And I and since then we've like I don't think we've we've been like double teed up or, or whatever since. Um, and like having a few conversations with him and hung out with, not hung out with him, but like in the bubble, obviously you have way more conversations with guys and all that. And I spoke to him a bit there and he's an avid coffee drinker as well. So we had a bit of a chat about that and stuff. And so, um, yeah, I think that like quote unquote beef is is gone, but he's a, he's a hell of a player too. Episode five, George Niang. It was my first year here. Um, I think we played Golden State the second night when they, uh, second day of the season. It was our second game. We had lost in Sacramento, I think the night before. Um, and then we played Golden State and it was like my first time like actually getting like real rotation minutes. Like Tabo Cephalosha had been, was out with an injury and uh, coach had put me in and uh, my first shot like was from the corner in front of the bench and it like, someone came out and closed out like super hard and I shot it and it like, you know, when like the corner like hits the top side of the backboard yeah. and DeMarcus Cousins got up cause he was on the worst. He was like, 
man, hell no. Don't you ever shoot no shit like that again, ever, ever. So I'm like, damn, man, like my first time getting in, like coach believed in me, first quarter put me in, like, and I miss. And not only miss, but I hit like the side of the backboard. Then Draymond Green's like, I got him. So, you know, he can like help in the lane with everything that's going on. So Ricky Rubio drives in there. Draymond Green cuts him off. He swings to me at the top of the key or like on the wing kind of. And Draymond Green like looks at me and like waves his hand as I'm about to shoot it. And I hit it. And I just remember thinking in my head like just do what you've done like. Yes, sir. All the time. Just follow through. Hold your follow through. And I made it. And I looked back and DeMarcus Cousins was like. <laughs> and, uh, we, and I ended up hitting like a couple more shots that game. And like we ended up losing on like a late game tipping. But the thing that like gave me like the confidence to know like, hey, like you belong and like you can do this was like Quinn Snyder. He's like he's one of the best dudes and, and best coaches around. And he texted me after the game. He was like, I know we lost, but like I'm so proud of you. Like. Man. You know, you belong out there and like the way you handled yourself, I just threw you in there and you just kept on chugging and kept on going and you made winning plays and that's why I love, I'm, I'm excited to grow and coach you. And that was like Man. the moment where like, this journey is tough enough in the NBA, but the fact that you can have someone there to like be in your corner and they make actually make like really big decisions, it was like huge for my confidence. And then from there on out, it was like, once you have this swagger and confidence about you, I mean, the sky's the limit. Episode 24, Ryan Anderson. What's yours? Or am I allowed to ask you guys questions? <laughs> sure. I mean, we're, running like a, we're running like an hour and 10 deep. Yeah, right now, so we're going off the rails. All right. I'll ask you each one question, okay? Yeah, right. please. What's the most underrated Star Wars movie of all time? This is actually like... I'm a Star Wars nerd, so like to hear, maybe he doesn't know anything about Star Wars, number one. Right. Number two. No, I'm going to give you one. I don't appreciate the disrespect that Attack of the Clones gets. Wow, that's a great answer. He knows what he's talking yeah, about. Because know, here's the thing. I was a big Star Wars kid growing yeah. up, had all the Legos, had the lightsaber. Like I was, you know, all in. And that's when I was a kid yeah, was yeah, when yeah, that sure. trilogy came out. So it's the most nostalgic for yes. me, and it just gets shit on constantly. It really does. It's not appreciated. Part of it was the Jar Jar Binks, you know, uh, element in there. Yeah, not which isn't great in retrospect. But I actually enjoy the the one episode one, two, and three. Yeah, agreed. Quite a bit. Like it, it kind of it does bother me as well. Yeah, I like that answer. Okay, this took uh, like an interesting turn. Yeah, okay. what do you got? What is the most underrated flavor of cheese? <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh. I'm trying to keep dairy out of my life. You really? Yeah, I'm trying. So, I've heard that that goat cheese has significantly less dairy. A little healthier for you. Yeah. So I, I would say I would say goat cheese. Goat cheese. Yeah. That's a great <laughs> answer. Yeah, answer. I like that. You, heard it. you heard it first. Wow. You got any more? Yeah. Uh, this is fun. This all, yeah. Let's all do right. it. Come on. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> all right. What is the most underrated? I can't think of the top. Oh, no, no, no. I got it. I got it. I got it. What is the most underrated Disney Channel original movie? Oh, that's a great right. question. Yes. I okay. want to answer that one. Yeah, let me think. Um, Smart Home. No, no, you Smart only get one. Smart no, no, no. Come on. Smart House. Wait, no, no, no. Hold on. You only get one. Eddie's Million Dollar Cook Off. 
Wow, I don't even know what That's that is. That's a terrible answer. <laughs> <laughs> Awful. You can't if you haven't heard of it, I got Brink. So I'm, uh, I'm a motocross. I love motocross. I was before the times. You Boy, know, Brink LG. is in motocross. It's roller. No, I said Brink's great, and I can oh. I my opinion. <laughs> okay. I'm a soul skater for sure. Davis is more Team X Blade. I'm a soul skater. <laughs> <laughs> the shade. You know, my wife uh, actually got, like, back in the day when there was, like, AOL, like, instant messaging. Yeah. She got an instant message from the Brink guy. Like the the person who plays the main character, the main character of Brink, wow, hit tried to hit her up. It's true. Wow. Do we have beef with with Brink? Is it, is it no longer I, I allowed to be my dated. favorite? I wish they had dated so we could have hung out. <laughs> that know, would be great. Cool. Um, so let's keep going with this. Yeah, yeah okay. I'm having fun. Duncan, you have to go now. Yeah, I have to. Do no, it. I have. You, I'll get you, and then maybe who asked the original? Let's just keep these going. Okay. What is, what is, okay, no, this is a good question for Duncan. Okay. What is the most underrated city to travel to in the NBA? That's, a, that's, yeah. that's great. You've, you've been asked that one before. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, the hotspots are obviously New York. He didn't ask for the hotspots. LA, Miami. <laughs> we don't, he's, we he's don't dodging. Care. So I'm he's leaving dodging. those off the list is what I'm saying. Well, yeah. I'm I mean, going to say Toronto. Good answer. Good Toronto's answer. a fantastic is a city. Davis. Yeah. <laughs> what is what is the most underrated uh, the most underrated thing that you've ever done while living in LA? Oh my god. Like something that would really surprise a lot of people, you know? That what a question. It's not terrible. It's not as good. No, no, no. I can do this. I can do this. Let me ask all the questions. Just give me a second. Because you, you turn this into your thing. Oh. I think it's my thing and I'm going to have a little gray wall. <laughs> Here's an answer for you. Okay. So a, this was maybe a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. You know, have you heard of that blue algae that glows in the dark? Yes. I've never seen that here. 100%. We went and we saw that. It was incredible. You really so, made lemonade out of some lemons with that speaking question. Speaking of Disney Channel, Ooh. it was like you were in a Disney movie. You oh, step man. on the sand and it just lights up blue. You run your hand through. Yep, it, the oh, waves are man. crashing and I heard it glows. About that. It just wasn't intense. remarkable. It no. felt like it was fake. It's a great answer. It's a great yeah. answer. I'm on fire over here. <laughs> Episode 15, Doris Burke. I actually, I want to start off. Obviously, your your broadcasting career is well documented um, to some extent. We're going to get into that more, but I want to start off by actually talking about your playing career a mm-hmm. little bit. So, mm-hmm. for ourselves and also the listeners, can you just shine a little bit of light on you as a player and maybe give us a, a little bit of a breakdown? Yes, definitely. So uh, you have the skill I was most envious of. Uh, I could get anywhere I wanted off the dribble drive. My handle was tremendous. I was comfortable with multiple bodies around me. I would be willing to embrace a double team to find the next pass. Uh, That kind of pressure wouldn't bother me. Um, But I couldn't shoot to save my life. Do you want, and you want to know the stupid origin of my lack of confidence. Okay. So, and this is so silly, but Uh, So when I was seven, we moved from New York to New Jersey and right next door is a park. And that was the origin of me picking up a ball. So I'm seven years old. I'm the last of eight kids. Um, My parents basically say, go find something to do. And I pick up the ball at seven and I never put it down. And I actually in elementary school was a pretty good shooter, good driver. My freshman year in high school, 
I get moved up to varsity around December, a Christmas tournament in the town next to me on the Jersey shore. And for some reason, I'm really nervous. And this other team is giving me free throw line jumper after free throw line jumper. It's my first varsity game, Duncan. And I just keep missing that free throw line jumper. And I quickly realized right after that, well, that's okay because nobody can keep me in front of them and let me go to the rack. And so I was a big driver and one throughout my career, you know, a thousand point score in high school, thousand point score in college, but all while people were giving me this tremendous cushion. And it's like, you know, you know how like people are like, you have the ball. They're like, find them, sprint, get them off the line. Me, they're like, shoot it. (laughs) So that was my game. Dribble drive. A, a couple of things there. So it sounds like you're a, a classic park player in that, you know, you're probably playing with the double rims. You know, you, you got to get to the rim to be successful if you're going to be playing outside, especially in New York yeah. or New Jersey. You n- never know which way the wind's going to be blowing. Um, and I also, I'll say this too. I think the hardest ones are are the open ones. You know, it's it's the contested ones for me yeah. that it's like, you know, you're just shooting freely. Uh, yeah. the, the, the ones that, you know, you're getting covered can be challenging. Episode 29, Karam Butler. Uh, I needed another, just anything you got, legendary Kobe story. Man. One that comes to mind. We was in Charlotte. I never told the story. We was in Charlotte and we was in the huddle and he was like, uh, the game was tied. It was only like four seconds, three seconds on the shot clock. And, um, you know, Rudy T is like drawing up all type of shit on the board. <laughs> and he swiped it off again. And he, Kobe said, fuck that. Just give me the ball right here. <laughs> and uh, he was like, whoever want to take the ball out going to be part of history. <laughs> and uh, Lamar was like, I want to be part of this. I go grab the ball. All right, give me the <laughs> ball. Threw that shit in, man. Kobe hit the shot. Blouses, game. It was just like, I was like, I looked at him. He was just like, like winked his eye in the moment. Like, yo, just whoever want to be a part of history, just throw the ball in. This shit's over. But that was, that was him. Like, right. that was just who he was. And OG was different, man. He was different. Episode three, front of show. So you saying that just reminded me of a story I want to quickly tell. You trying to link up with friends in cities when you're on the road takes me back to your two-way year where you were bouncing back and forth from the heat in Sioux Falls and you played at the Garden in New York City. And this was early in the season. This was one of your first games up with the heat. And I happened to be in New York City. So we tried to connect after the game, but it was a late game. So I think you weren't ready to meet up until like midnight and you guys had lost and you got to play a little bit and you felt like you didn't play that well. So we were trying to connect and we ended up meeting at Tau, right? Yeah. So basically it was exactly that. We we play the Knicks. uh, We lose to the Knicks. We have a night, we stay over the night in, in New York and the next day we have an off day. It's a Saturday night in New York, mind you. Uh, we get back to the hotel super late. I actually went and grabbed dinner uh, with Ryan Anderson. We just grabbed dinner quickly and then I was gonna meet up with you and another friend of ours. And you guys were at Tao, the restaurant Tao, mind you. Right, the yeah, restaurant. Yeah, yeah. yeah, right, right. The right. restaurant Tao. Um, so I catch an Uber over there. I think it was like a l- maybe a little past midnight. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm texting you like, I don't know guys, like, I think I should just go back and go to sleep. And you're like, no, no, come on. Like, come on through whatever. So I'm like, all right, fine. So I pull up to Tal, I get out of the Uber. 
I randomly see a, a staff member of ours, our shooting coach, walking a, a, a block across across the street. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. Like, a good thing I kind of missed him. I can just kind of stay anonymous. Um, and then I walk downstairs into Tao, the restaurant, mind you, once again. The restaurant. And the entire Miami Heat coaching staff is walking out of Tao. <laughs> and I am absolutely mortified. I'm so embarrassed that in my first year, I'm basically the optics of what it looks like is that I'm like having a night out on the town. <laughs> I'm sure to them. I'm literally like the most innocent thing in the world. I'm going to see my friends. We're going to like basically, you know, drink water and catch up like just the most <laughs> innocent thing in the world. And I am so embarrassed to be seeing them. They asked me like, Hey Duncan, what's up? They don't think anything of it. Like, Hey Duncan, what's up? And I don't, I literally don't even know what to say. I freeze. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, uh, I'm just going to see my friends. And they're like, dude, we, we didn't even act like, we don't care. <laughs> like it was just so hard for me to wrap my mind around that. I go and sit down and have dinner with you guys and I'm a mess. I'm like, dude, this is over. Like, I'm going to get cut. They don't think I take my work seriously. This is it. Uh, we're done. We had a good run. You know, <laughs> I, I played a couple games for the heat and, and that's it. Um, and yeah, I was just in absolute shambles. I will never forget the look on your face when you walked in. Cause you're right. We were drinking water, sitting at the table, waiting for you. And you came in like a deer in the headlights. I, you sat down and you said exactly, you were like, uh, guys, I think I should leave. I don't think I should be here. I just saw the whole coaching staff. They think I'm partying. Like you were freaking out. And we tried to talk you down the, or, or off the ledge. We were like, Hey, they're here too. Like what, you know, it's fine. This is what NBA guys do. I think, you know, we don't know we're not in the league, but <laughs> I just remember trying to calm you down and you being so worried because you're right. It was, there was no foul play involved, but you None. were worried about the optics. It, it's tough because I came from a program in Michigan where everything was micromanaged. You know, we had check-ins, we had bedtime, you, know, you had to be in your room. And this, the world of like the, the freedom that comes with the NBA was like such a foreign concept to me. So I felt like I had broken curfew. There's no curfew in the NBA. Like it's grown <laughs> men, but like I, I couldn't wrap my mind around that. And then the other side of it was, of course, Chris Quinn, who's obviously on our staff, but also, you know, a, a close friend of mine, at that point realized that I was freaking out about it. And the next day we're getting on the plane and he stops me as I'm walking by him and the whole staff is right there again. And he's like, he's like, what's up, Duncan? Like, you don't take your career seriously. What? Oh, you're no. just going to, you're just going to go out partying the night before. Like what? I'm like, it, well, it, it was an off day. Like I, I'm like stuttering. I was just seeing my friends. Like we weren't doing anything. He's like, he's like, dude, relax. Like, I'm just giving you a hard time. Like <laughs> nobody cares. <laughs> but to the point where like, I remember the next morning after running into them, calling my mom and being like, mom, like this might be it. Like I might get cut. <laughs> like <laughs> we had a good run, like it's over. Um, but it's just so funny. Like I was just so it's just sensitive. Like I, I was just so concerned about like that I needed to come across as this like incredibly hard worker and that I was handling all my business and I wasn't, you know, I never was, you never needed to worry about any of that off the court stuff. Um, but yeah, just, just a funny story. I appreciate you bringing that up. That was like a, a nightmare um, of, of a night in New York city. Episode 35, JJ Reddick. I posted a video the other day on Instagram of me shooting uh, in Miami's practice gym. 
And uh, you came at me for it being more of a push shot than a jump mm. shot. And I just wanted to know, are, are you spending your time overanalyzing people's jumpers a lot? Or was that like a singular event? I My Instagram feed has a lot of basketball content on it. I think that's the first time I've commented on someone's <laughs> jump shot. I, don't I know would whether say we... this too. I would say this too. Duncan, correct me if I'm wrong here. So you really shouldn't shoot at the very top of your jump shot. Now, some guys do. Doesn't always turn out what great. Um, some guys shoot on the way down. That usually turns out horribly. So you're supposed to shoot on the way up, uh, but it's like more towards the top. Davis's shot, it's like almost an exaggeration where he pushes it out there and then jumps. You know what I mean? It's just the timing's just a little off. The mechanics are a little off. <laughs> JJ, I, I just want to say... Uh, these disparaging words about his jump shot. I mean, this kid had your jersey. This kid had your <laughs> pictures of you on his wall. You were I'm broken. You, I'm broken. You were the end all be all of, of a young Davis Reed. Hopefully one day I can be like JJ Reddick and here you yeah. are just yeah. just you if know. you want to portray me as an asshole, that's fine. <laughs> in my defense in my defense, when Davis or you guys, when you guys posted Davis's mixtape earlier last season i was i gassed that up i really gassed that. i put like 93 premium gas in that thing i put it out on social i made some comments all very positive i was very impressed with his game extremely gifted alley-oop passer to willie collie stein that's a fact Um, and and look i like it's like my my golf swing it's not always about how things look right thank you there's no no there's no there's no pictures on the box score well, here's There's the no issue. I don't, really, score. I don't really have the results to back it up either. That's the thing. <laughs> but no, you'll, I mean, you'll experience this, JJ, that I don't shoot anymore. Yeah. So you got to understand after like 10 NBA threes, I can't feel my shoulder. So mm. it's really just taking everything I have to get it to the rim at this point. I've shot three times since the season ended, two of which were at the um, Sag Harbor Park. The other time I was, uh, well, actually it's four times because two times were with my kids at Sag Harbor Park. One time I was a little blazed and had had a few glasses of wine and played horse against <laughs> these teenage high school kids. They were awesome. I had to be on my A game. Luckily I made like 17 out of 20 shots and beat them, but I, I was down to the last letter. Uh, and then the fourth time was recently on a farm, uh, this place called Hank's Farm in Watermill, New York. Take my kids there. Apple picking. You pick. There's a pumpkin patch. There's apple cider donuts. It's a great time. This year, they put up an outdoor basketball hoop there, and I thought I'd get some shots up. And I hadn't touched a ball in several weeks. Uh, and again, this is now four months of really not shooting, and um, I could not make a shot. My first four shots hit the backboard. Like I, they say, it's like riding a bike. Apparently, it's not. <laughs> Episode 39, Zach Lowe. Uh, Anyway, Zach, uh, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Certainly a a joy to have you. No, 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 hold on. Don't let me go yet. Okay, that's very nice to say. It's very nice to hear. I want to congratulate you on the well-deserved contract that you signed. And more than that, on carving out a legitimate starting role for years now 
on a team that's really, really good that made the finals that has ambitions of making the finals this year. And everybody is like, Oh, what a feel good story. Division three lightly recruited. Like it is, it is a feel good story, but it's also like, you're just good. You're just a good NBA player now. Like we, we, all that stuff is still part of your journey and it matters. And we can, people can still look at you as the plucky up and comer if they want, but it's also time to look at you as just like a a good NBA player. And so I want to congratulate you on that. I know how much work it is. Congratulations. I appreciate that. It's a, it's been a fun process. Absolutely. I actually remember I I was talking uh, after we met for the first time in the Barclays, my, my agent called me, Jason Glushon, and he was like, I can't believe you called Zach Lowe Mr. Lowe when you first, <laughs> when you first saw him. Uh, and, and that's right. I called you Mr. Lowe because I was a fan of your writing. But uh, it, it's, it's interesting. We, we've come a long way since then. Thank you all for listening to our best of 2021. Rest assured, the long shot is coming back with vengeance in 2022. See you next year. Thank you.